there'll be notes after. Maybe they'll make changes. Maybe they don't like what he says, uh, so-and-so says to somebody. Maybe they don't think that's funny. Like, that joke's not landing. I don't like where they're, they're standing. I think the special effects should change. Sometimes they'll come in, and a lot of times, and they'll go, I don't like that couch. So we have an inside joke in the business. Uh, let's say the show is not that funny that, that week. <laughs> well, we all say, we need a new couch. That was Eric Petros talking about set dressing on a sitcom. And this is So You Work in Entertainment. My name is Adam Klaus, and I've been a full-time voice actor for the last eight years. I didn't really know that you could do that until I started doing it myself, which made me realize that there are thousands of jobs in the entertainment industry that I know nothing about, and yet they're crucial in creating the content that we love. This is the podcast where I talk to the people who do those jobs. And right now, I take you to my conversation with Eric Petros. Thank you for coming in, Eric. Absolutely. So you work in entertainment? I do. What do you do? I do set dressing. That's set dressing. Set dressing, yes. Work in, work in the uh, art department. Okay. What does that entail? We dress sets. We get the right table, the right couch, the right lamps, the right pictures. Our art department will take pictures of all the children in the family or the, the grandmothers, and then we'll frame them. We'll put them on the walls. Our decorator is really good at making the people real, making the set lived in. Sure. Cluttering it up. We do things like that. A good set dresser knows how to do things like that, the little things. Yeah. You know, if it's okay with the decorator. Sometimes you don't want to step on the decorator's feet. You don't want to write little post-it notes in the office on a computer. You don't want to, you know, put that paperweight on that desk. That's not him, you know. Sure. Or why are you going to put the Eiffel Tower little statue on that desk over there? That He's not French. So it's hard to explain what we do sometimes because we do so much. Sure. You know, we're, we're massive layers of the set. You go all over Los Angeles, because that's where we work at the moment. Okay. Do you work on a TV show right now? Right now I do, yeah. Okay. I work on a sitcom. Okay. Situational comedy. Okay. Um, with an audience and three cameras. Now it's four. They call it three camera, though. But set dressing, uh, we go out, whatever the writers write, you know, whatever they write, we read the script, and the production designer and decorator, they look through it, they read through it, and we figure out how we're going to decorate somebody's place or building or office. So we go to an astronomical amount of places to find exactly what will fit that character for that show. What's the head of the department? The head the of the department designer? would be the production designer. So when the production designer gets the script, they have kind of a blank slate to run with, right? I mean, you're talking, you shoot on a lot, don't you? Yeah, we shoot right for now. Most of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, sitcoms shoot on lots. Yeah. We, we don't go outside of the lot. And when we, when we do shoot on location, we shoot on the lot. On a back lot. On a back lot. So yeah. just a different just a different set? Yeah. No, it'd be it'd be like, let's say, at Warner Brothers, we call it New York Street or Hennessy Street oh, or, gotcha. or Midwest Street. Like, you know, the Gilmore Girls, all that outside stuff at Gilmore Girls was all Midwest Street. You know, their little town, their school, the their, you know, the church. So that's like the area. I know that maybe this doesn't shoot at Universal, but when you take the Universal Studios tour and they show you around all those streets that get like, the thing that blew me away about when I took that tour when my parents were in town was the trees that they can swap in and out and how all of that is just like, can easily be made into whatever you want it to look like. You're talking about when you shoot, quote, on location, it's one of those things where you're still on the lot. Yes, exactly. So at Paramount, we shoot in a common a common place that everyone shoots in, whether it be, you know, like a show recently, The Offer, you know, doing the, redoing uh, The Godfather, the making of that. So we will shoot in the same area, but it's our... 
it is our job to make that area look completely different. Okay. You know, and they shoot the same camera angles from certain areas, but you know, the trees change, like you said, Mm -hmm. we'll change the lighting fixtures. We'll change the fronts of the stores into, you know, a lamp store, or this is a cell phone place, you know, or this is a restaurant. And so when you get that directive, let's go with lamp store. When you get lamp store, what does that look like for you? Because you get, you actually like procure the stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do is, you know, wherever that decorator, because the production designer does the, you know, she is the person with the color palette. She's the person that picks a lot of the flooring, the big looks of the set, you know, um, the shapes of the set, the walls. Decorator comes in and the decorator will do the fine touches of a desk over here, lighting fixtures. Um, she doesn't deal with wallpaper. That's production design. That's that, that is her. The art director is another person and they're the ones that draw the sets out. So whether it's on set, they do all the measurements for the blueprints and, you know, they're, they're kind of like that. They'll, they'll, an art director will change the door handles. They'll be in charge of the door handles and the stoppers and some, some wow, of the- Wow, you never even think about that. No, there's, there's three layers to, to the department and it's production design, art director, then it goes into decorator. Okay. Then it goes from there, it goes into lead man. The lead man is in charge of that crew and we all work as one. Sure. Yeah. You'll have the same goal at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, we have the same goal. Uh, yeah, exactly. So let's back up just a bit because um, there's so much stuff I want to mm-hmm. talk about. One thing I, f- I thought was interesting when you said they call it a three camera, but now it's a four camera. W- educate me on that. Well, because three let's, camera setup was like the standard. It's like three camera, I think, uh, and, and quote me, I don't know if I'm right about this. I think I'm about 99% right about this, but pretty right. Three, three camera up until Mork and Mindy. Until Robin Williams changed the game. Okay. Uh, they, you know, de- look at look at Lucy. That's three camera, they call it. There's three cameras. Um, I don't know how it was operated by camera back then, if it was three men, but three camera is uh, a cameraman, mm-hmm. a focus puller next to him. Sure. Getting the zoom in and out. And you have a dolly grip. And that's who hits their marks because a sitcom is what I do. That's, that's called, that's a three camera show. They have to hit their marks on certain cues. Sure. So, you know, there's tape on the ground, there's chalk on the ground, and they know exactly when that line is said, that camera will cut by the switcher. They'll move to the next shot. Then when it cuts back, that's when you get that, that yeah. other camera angle. It's, it's just like an, like an actor would have to hit their marks on certain points and through the set, the same thing is going on on the other side of the camera. They're, they're working together. They're completely choreographed together. The camera, the, you know, the cameraman... Uh, you know, gets his picture, the focus puller gets in focus and the dolly grip makes sure they're on the right mark or else everything's off. Yeah. It could be blurry or not in focus, obviously same thing, but could just not even be in the same area as where they should be. Are there days where those guys aren't doing so great? Absolutely. Like they're just having an off one? You don't see it too much from dolly grips because they're hard, you know, grips are grips. They're, they're, they're something else. A, a dolly grip is different from, than a, a show grip or a rigging grip. But they make sure they're on their their game. You don't want to upset, you know, the director, the showrunner, the sure. actors, and you know maybe two hundred and twenty people in the audience. Yeah, you know you're you're performing live. That's one thing I love about sitcoms. Sure, that's a whole another element. Yeah, it's like completely. theater in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like theater with a lot of little intermissions. I imagine it's theater without um, theater. You have to hit it. You know, you can't. There's no cut. Yeah. There's no, let's do it again. Sure. So I, that theater is a whole different animal that I'm not too familiar with, you know? Yeah. It's, you're not missing anything. It, yeah. uh, 
I don't mean to talk bad about the theater, but it's just there are people that it's for and there are people that it's not for. And I found out pretty quickly it wasn't for me. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So Mork and Mindy changed the game. One of many things that Robin Williams did to change the game, I'm sure. Yeah. Mork and Mindy, you know, uh, we can read on it more, but I know that he wouldn't, he wouldn't hit his mark, Robin Williams. He just wouldn't hit his mark. So they created an X camera and that camera followed Robin Williams around. Really? And that literally, yeah, because he just, I mean, obviously we all know Robin Williams. Yeah. He's a wild card and a good one at that. And he would just decide something was better in a blink of an eye. And so that camera would catch every single thing he'd do. Sure. So a three camera show turned into a four camera show, but we still call it a three camera show. Sure. Mm-hmm. It just, I think it sounds better, I guess, maybe. Thanks for dropping that knowledge on me. Yeah. I had a uh, voice session one time in San Francisco and, you know, he's from the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. And the engineer that I was working with was, uh, he recorded Robin Williams for, um, I don't know if it was Aladdin or what, one of the big things that he was in. And he said the rule was with Robin Williams, you start recording when you hear his footsteps in the hallway <laughs> and you never cut because yeah. he's just spitting gold constantly. Absolutely. And especially in something like that where they can kind of work it, like they never know where it's going to go. It was just like capture everything. And right when you think it's not going to be funny, it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, how long have you been doing this? I have been doing this in October this year, 2022. It'll be 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. Yes. I got in pretty young. I'm 36. That's impressive. Yeah. I feel like nobody who's 36 has been doing anything for 16 years. Not in LA. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really incredible. And how did you get into it originally? Family. Family? Um, just like most people out here that who are from out here, it's it's a it's kind of a family thing. You get in and it's it's a very tough thing to do because not a lot of people it's it's confusing and it's murky to sure. get into the business, you know. That's behind the camera. So I had a father who worked for Warner Brothers for he just retired for thirty seven years. And he, he did something, uh, it's, a, it's a tough job what my dad did. He did floor covering. He ran a department in drapery at Warner Brothers, and he did all the sets at Warner Brothers for the floors, whether it be Friends or Two and a Half Men or the Drew Carey show, George Lopez, ER. I mean, for years he ran a department. People don't think about that, but every set needs floors. Sure. You know, whether it be linoleum, carpet, VCT tile, real tile, which they don't use much, but... Yeah, so I, I got incredible. in through that way, yeah. I got in, uh, actually, I got in 15 days on a show called West Wing. Okay. And and combined with a show like ER, right? So uh, to get into the union, wor- working for Warner Brothers in Local 44, okay, you have to get 30 days. Okay. 30 days within one year. Once I worked on West Wing, we got a call that uh, I couldn't work on the show any longer because it was uh, nepotism. My father had worked for Warner Brothers, so I couldn't work on the show. Um, I didn't understand that. We still don't because it's called Warner Brothers. Yeah. For It's reason. in the name. Doesn't really make any sense. So I worked, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was putting things over here. I was cleaning a set. I was dusting something. I would, you know, uh, put a light bulb in somewhere. They let me do what I, you know, just get my feet wet. And when 15 days came around, I couldn't work anymore for my father doing flooring on West Wing or any any show. So they hired me on West Wing to work as a set dresser for the show. That's how I got my 30 days. Really? Yeah. So you, you had kind of, or maybe you didn't have the foresight, but at the time you thought you were getting into the flooring game. Yeah, but that's not where I wanted to land. That's a, it's a backbreaking job. Sure. And it's just not, 
where my my brain wanted to go, you know, artistically. So you, the set dressing was a, a better fit or how did you get into that specifically? Because you could have ended up anywhere, right? I could have ended up anywhere. Um, they thought it was a good fit for me to try uh, set dressing with a group of guys who were great. They were a great crew. There's still guys that are that have not retired yet that are working and they're some of the best doing the biggest features in town. And our personalities just clicked mm -hmm. and it worked out. And so... 16 years later, here we are. Once I got my 30 days on that show, I was picking up my tools and going working on ER. You know, I was going to work on Cold Case and all these different shows, Two and a Half Men. How does that work? So you you have your 30 days to get mm -hmm. into the union. And that's a challenge for a lot of people, right? It's, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I was very lucky. I've talked to a lot of people who said like, it's because it sounds like from the outside, like we well, have to work for a month and a whole year, like no big deal. I work 12 months out of the year, Yeah, but that is not the way that this works. It's hard to get that work, right? What happens when you do get the 30 days then? Because it's a, you have to join up, like you have to pony up some cash, right? To join the union. You got to pony up some cash and it's a lot more than it was when I got in, but it's, it's, it was a lot more when I got in than it was when my father got in and yeah. when other guys got in. You have to pony up some cash. You can't work anymore once you get that 30 days. That 30 days, you have to pony up and you got to pay pay the man. And what, like how much are we talking about now? Back then, I want to say it was about $6,000. And and what do you think it is now? I think it's about nine. Okay. Yeah. So that's a lot. You know, when, you, when you're not working sure. and this is your first job or let's say you don't have a savings account, that's a lot of money. For sure. So it's, a, it's, a, and it's a big leap on top of it. Is this what I want to do? And do I want to pay this amount of money back then was, you know, it was a big deal to me. So I did, you know, we have great medical, we have benefits, we have a pension. Yeah. So it's a big deal to me. And I thought it was the right decision to make, you know, at 20, 21 years old. That's a big decision though, at that yeah. age. It, to, it, it is. Cause that's probably one of your biggest purchases that you've had up to that point. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't think I even, you know, I think I did my payments. I think it was, it was a payment. So I didn't pony it up, you know, yeah. back then you could do that. Now it's a little, it's, it's tougher. You can't do that anymore. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I haven't asked, but huh? yeah. Yeah. I guess once you join, you don't really ask about the process for no, joining just, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just go to work. It's in the rear view. <laughs> yeah. What was the transition like from flooring to set dressing? Like as far as day one of set dressing, what do you, are you kind of aware of everything that goes on in that department or? Well, starting out in flooring, I didn't know uh, from my head, from a hole in the ground. So it, it didn't really matter to me. Sure. You know, same with set dressing and flooring's a trade. Set dressing, I wouldn't consider it a trade, but you have to be good at a lot of things. It's And to be a good set dresser, anybody can work in the business and get a job and move furniture around. Anybody can do that. Sure. But you, to be good, to be hired, to be hired for shows and features and, and requested, you have to know a lot of things. So, no, I, I, I was lucky enough to have a crew that liked me, saw my potential. I had a good attitude. You know, I showed up on time. That's half the battle in show business. Show up on time. It's amazing to me that that refrain keeps happening. People are like show up on time. Like, isn't that like, why do you have to say that? That should just be the well, easy thing everybody handles. You know, a lot of people see this business as being a glitzy and glamorous, which parts of it is, but there's a lot of people in this business that you would, you wouldn't believe. I mean, there, we have um, convicted felons to, you know, golfers to, sure. to, uh, you know, ex, uh, lawyers to, you know, just anybody, that, anybody. So you don't know who you're working with. It could be anybody. And that's when you can single out the good ones from the bad ones, show up on time with a good attitude 
and you'll probably get called back the next day. Sure. Did you, when you were a kid, I assume your dad worked, you said for 36 years. So like all yeah. growing up, you were, you were around the business, at least through your father. Did you ever go and visit him at work? I visited my dad uh, quite frequently, actually. Um, he actually, before Warner Brothers, he worked at Sony for years. Okay. And uh, I'd visit him there. I don't have too many memories of that. I was pretty young, but Warner Brothers, you know, he worked at Warner Brothers Ranch, which is down the street from the actual main lot. Okay. And that was early on. And yeah, I would I would visit my father and, and uh, just be in awe of sets. And this is this is fake, but it looks so real. I think I was most blown away by a, a couple sets. One was Bram Stoker's Dracula when I was a kid. Okay. Francis Ford Coppola's. Uh, I remember going on the set of that and and smelling the earth that they brought in, you know, around the caskets. And as a kid, I, don't, I think it was like 93 or some, somewhere in there. Sure. It scared the shit out of me. Like sure. literally, I had nightmares about it. The sets were so good. Of course. And I don't know who the decorator is. We can look it up on IMDb later. But it was it was fascinating to see that. That set blew me away. The Grinch was something else at Universal. That's another world. Yeah, that was a lot of a lot of stages, a lot of scaffolding, a lot of. Uh, That's Jim Carrey, Whoville. Yeah, right? yeah. That was, that was a really cool one. I think the one that takes the cake though is is uh, the movie Hook. With Robin Williams, as we go back, Robin, I can't believe that Hook was a as close as I got to religion as a kid. Like I still, I still can watch that movie at least once a month. It's, it's so good. Yeah, and the set. I mean, talk about a dream set, right? I think like I've never seen anything like it to this day. Uh, I I don't know how to explain to somebody how real those sets were at Sony. I believe, um, if I can remember right. And so that like the ship is on a stage, right? Multiple ships in water, the docks, you know, everything was real. Th th those were some of the best drapers in the business. I mean, those sails, that's all drapery. Those people, this is all real, you know. I, I was never on the sets of Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I imagine they were amazing. I had a couple bosses that worked on them. But Hook was a world of its own in sound stages. Yeah. You know, that the big hanks of rope over here and the barrels and the little towns. And it was, it's almost similar to like if you go to Disneyland and you look at, you know, you know, Star Wars land or. But it's just Cars Disneyland land. for you, right? Yeah. yeah but it's, you're not waiting in line. But like, the difference is, is that this is all going to go away in a couple of weeks. It's all going to be torn down. And that's the thing about what these people do and they put their hearts into something that is so magical that lasts forever on film, on the screen goes away in like two weeks yeah it's all gone so when you go back in a month you know you visited the set you go back it's all gone what do they do with a lot of that like well, i'm sure some of it you can reuse but like on hook what do you you have a giant ship what are you dismantling it and putting it in storage i would imagine you know i don't know what the you know we have places like tricenic uh different places that set walls go to i i really don't know what happens after that but you know all those uh those sails get reused they you know for other movies other features uh the wood probably gets reused and certain things uh, yeah it's 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 a big recyclable for the studios for the next show maybe you know i i don't know exactly where all that went it was pretty significant it was pretty particular Sure. You know, Spielberg's pretty particular. So yeah, some of it gets used, some of it doesn't, some of it gets trashed, which is sad. That's maybe a good segue into like when you, if you get the directive from your boss, like, hey, we need a chair from the 1950s or whatever it may be. What's your process like 
for that because that's that's your job right is you source that stuff or did i our our decorator will source that okay and and, you know if we've been doing it for a long time we know where to source it of course because we've been working with the same decorator production designer we know where they get what they get and we've been there um so yeah they'll source it we'll look it up we'll make a call you know nowadays you can look things up it's not like back then where you know a decorator will spend you know hours upon hours in prop houses looking for what they need um the good ones still do Sure. You know, everyone can look online and, hey, you have that chair in stock, but, you know, is it really the right chair? Is it the right color? Is it the right feel? So, yeah, I mean, we'll help them source it out. It's not 100% our job, but we lend a hand. So what would you say is 100% your job then? Getting the set dressed. Okay. You know, chandeliers, light fixtures, light switches, so chairs, desks. That's like the actual placing of stuff then? Yes. Like it arrives on a truck and you... We go out and get it. You go out and get it. Yeah. Okay. Multiple prop houses all over this uh, Southern California, Los Angeles area mostly. So that's the kind of thing where like the warehouses that you're like, what's going on here? A lot of those are prop houses probably, huh? There's a lot out here, especially in North Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly that's where it is. I suppose if you get higher up in the valley too, there's a lot of that. Right? Yeah. Um, or is it all pretty central to here? You know, you have, yeah, it's pretty central, actually. You know, mm-hmm. you got, there's a there's a big prop house, uh, Omega Cinema Props, that was on Hollywood, in Hollywood, on Santa Monica for years, that they just got up and they moved. Now they're in downtown. So we have places in downtown. We have places in El Segundo we'll go to, you know, for obscure things. Okay. But mostly it's Burbank, North Hollywood. So... I'm like, gears are spinning right now because I, I think this is so fascinating and this is so exactly why I wanted to do this podcast is because this is literally like the nuts and bolts of this thing that yeah. has such a huge influence on the show. I mean, you say like somebody picks the doorknobs, whether they're right or not, and most people are probably like, what? That doesn't mean anything. But it absolutely influences the tone, the vibe of the space, everything. So when you get into, you guys shoot, uh, it's like a week schedule, right? Yeah, sitcom, yeah. Or it could be a single camera, they call it as a one-week schedule, yeah. Walk me through a week. You get in on Monday. What time are you getting in? What is the, What does it look like? How do you start? Well, we're starting from Monday. Let's say uh, we're starting from scratch. Show's just starting. Um, we're going to shoot this week, right? So we come in Monday. We'll, we'll figure out from our decorator where we're going to go, what we're going to pick up. Should we pick it up? You know, do we have the right amount of uh, trucks to get it? The right amount of guys? Because you have to coordinate that with somebody else, right? Pickup times, POs, you know, money. You know, people got to be paid for what they pick up. So, yeah. So, what we'll do is Monday, we'll pick up everything. Maybe Tuesday, it'll filter over into Tuesday because sometimes it's more than a truckload, you know, depending on how many sets the writers write. Sure. Tuesday, we'll come in. We'll dress the set. First layer. Wednesday, we'll finish dressing the set. It should be a final product. There should be a run-through by Wednesday. Okay. Uh, it should be a producer run-through who's producing the show. So you'll have everybody, writers, producers. This is pre-COVID where everyone would come on stage. Sure. The lighting guys will have the lights hot, the, you know, the set. It won't be 100% all the time on Wednesday. Let's say we're shooting, the final product is Thursday, Friday shooting, correct? So Wednesday is that run-through. There'll be notes after. Maybe they'll make changes Maybe they don't like what he says, uh, so-and-so says to somebody. Maybe they don't think that's funny. Like, that joke's not landing. I don't like where they're, they're standing. Sure. Um, I don't like the special effects. I think the special effects should change. Sometimes they'll come in, and a lot of times, and they'll go, I don't like that couch. 
So we have an inside joke in the business. Uh, let's say the show is not that funny that, that week. <laughs> well, we all say, we need a new couch. <laughs> so, you know, lot, a lot of changes. So uh, let's say everything goes smooth according to plan. Thursday, we come in, we do something called pre-shoots. Okay. Pre-shoots are stuff that they do not want to shoot in front of the audience. Let's say a bag of flowers falling on so-and-so's head. Okay. to clean her up. Let's say there's a, a water balloon fight. Let's just say something that would take a long time, right? What they'll do is they'll finish shooting Thursday if everything goes to plan, okay? Friday we come in and uh, we'll shoot the show. We'll finish it. And if this is all pre-COVID, if we had an audience behind us, we'd have the opening uh, scene come in. The actors would come out. They'd do their first scene. Let's say everything goes smooth. Then we'd go into scene two that we shot yesterday. Then a TV would pop up above the their okay. seats, and they'd watch whoever so kind of it like is play along. drive in the car. A lot of times, driving in the car, you'll see a lot of those shows on sitcoms, like on Mom or Two Broke Girls or Two and a Half Men. You'll see Charlie driving, or you know, so Alice and Janney. They'll be driving with their hands on the wheel. Well, we're not going to film that in front of the audience because sure. that's boring, right? And, and we know it's green screen, so that'll be a pre-shoot. Friday will be the in front of the live audience. Okay. Yeah. This is some real inside baseball stuff you're dishing here. I hope so. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. With the, like with the bag of flour yeah. thing, do you have a number of, uh, it took X amount of takes to get this one shot? Like do, what's the most ridiculous version of that that you've had? I can't name a scene, but I can name certain shows I've been on that, that we've, you know, we've shot, usually a show will start around five o'clock. Okay. And we've we've sent audiences home and finished at one. Yeah, really. And I know I didn't work on it. it was before my time, but you know, one of my bosses I work for now, he did Friends. He did about four years of Friends, and they they were famous for that. They would get it right, as they'd say. Is there somebody like keeping the audience hot at that? Like, yeah, we yeah. Where the ten o'clock hour comes around, and you're like, we're gonna need three more hours. We send out a a stand up, or what are you? No, there's a stand up every every show. Yeah. So you you'd have a warm. We call him a warm up guy. Yep. I know a few of them, you know, I know a couple really good ones that same joke every week Sure. that we have to hear. So, no, they're amazing. They know what they're doing, um, but we know what time of the show is, you know. When we hear, you know, <laughs> I never I'm just thought a small about town boy from, you know, Detroit, you know, yeah. we know the show. We have 37 seconds it's to get it together. It's the last scene, man, yeah. and, and let's go, let's go. You know, he, if that's a, you talk about a hard job. Yeah. That's a hard job, you know? For sure. Keeping everybody engaged. You know, a lot of people want to go home. A lot of people are excited. You don't know who you're dealing with, so you just have to get your game on. Yeah, those guys, I give it up to them. When you, maybe you don't know the answer to this, because I imagine you've never sat in as an audience on one of these shows, but they don't know what they're signing up for as far as time, right? Absolutely not. And nobody cares about that. Oh, really? No, they're just, they're happy that you came to the show. But nobody down low who's run the showrunner doesn't care about the audience. Uh, they care if they laugh. Oh, I I thought you were saying like nobody in the audience cares. They're like, we'll stay until two in the morning. We a lot don't of care. people will. I'm sure. A lot sure. of people will. Yeah, of course. So, but now you were saying pre-COVID before. So now with COVID, that's not, there's no audience or what does it look like? We haven't had an audience since March of 2020. And has that made your life easier in a lot of ways or? In the beginning, yeah. We loved it. Uh, we didn't have to wait till five o'clock to finish the show on a Friday. Sure. Say we're shooting on Fridays. Uh, it was easier, you know, um, but there's so many things 
now that you look back, you miss it way more. Show night was, is a blast. Sure. You're putting on the play. The play is playing tonight. Let's go. Now it's kind of, kind of, it's a little boring. Sure. It's a little, it's, it's dry. It's, uh, actors are still great if they're good. Yeah. Uh, Alice and Janie on Mom is one of the best of all time, and and live. It doesn't matter if somebody's watching or not. She'll she'll nail every every line and, and doesn't care who's there. But audience definitely gets the show going. Sure, actors want to act, especially actors on sitcoms. They want to perform. Yeah, in front for sure. Of people, that's the nature of it. You know, it's big... it's a live show. I mean, you, the, I don't like laugh tracks. I think laugh tracks. You know, it's I not, hate them. Yeah, and you can tell if you if you know you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know when they're laughers and you know when they're, you know, you know when they're killing it and the audience is just loving it. That There's a vibe on stage. Yeah. And it makes it fun. You get a little high off it. All the crew loves it. We love it. Yeah. Do we want to, you know, shoot till 10, 11 o'clock with the audience sometimes? No, but it, it's part of the deal. It's what we signed up for. So on Friday when you're shooting, uh-huh. what is your job as a set dresser at that point? Because well, everything's already set for the most part, right? Exactly. Good question. Um, let's say we're on a hiatus week. We're good. We just make sure nothing bad happens. We have somebody called an on-set dresser. Okay. The on-set dresser represents us on set. He's like a prop person, you know, What? but he makes sure that chairs are moved on their marks for that scene. Maybe a counter needs to be moved upstage or downstage because there's something going on. Maybe the fridge needs to be dressed. Um... Maybe the door, something as simple as the door needs to be open or closed or, and the actor has nothing to do with that at that point. Maybe he needs to have the light switch on, you know, just. For continuity stuff, right? Continuity, man. And I I hate to say this word, but I'm going to say it on the podcast, but we always say continuity is for pussies, you know, (laughs) but it's not. It's what makes a show real, right? Yeah. Especially on single camera, one hour shows. Yeah. Sitcoms are another thing, you know, we're here to you know, lose 22 minutes of our lives and forget about, you know, yeah, bad things and laugh. Yeah. But yeah, so no, that's what, so he's there to represent us. A lot of times we'll get out of there. Our job's been done. But if we have a show the next week, the other guys who are working on the show, well, let's say a guy named Tony is on set, we're out picking up for the next show. Sure. Because... We can't do it Monday because we need to strike those sets Monday and we need to offload the truck and get that furniture and fixtures and whatever it is on stage and get the other stuff back returned. So you're working ahead like a a half a week then or? I'd say a day. A day. A day ahead. Yeah. The decorator and the production designer and and they'll let us know. They're they're like three, four days ahead. If they get it, if you have a, a good crew. Uh, good production coordinator, writers that get their job done, mm-hmm. and producers that make them, you'll have a script by Thursday or Wednesday for that following Monday. Okay. Because so they, they're done. Once they've decorated something, they're on to the next thing. That and This is, we're talking sitcoms and, and one-hour features are a different story. Sure. But yeah, so that's, we, we, we at least try to be a day ahead, which is not easy. Sometimes you get you get beat up, but... It always gets done in Hollywood. That's my question is like, it. you're giving me like the when things go smoothly version of things, but do you have like an example of, of a situation that would happen that would kind of throw things off the rails that well, sends you guys into scrambling? All the time. Yeah. Uh, showrunner could do that to you very fast. Producers can do that to you very fast. Writers do it the most because it's a very hard thing to do is to write a show. I couldn't do it. That's sure. not what I'm made for. 
But sometimes the writers, they don't understand that the couch that's not funny <laughs> doesn't just show up to, st- to set, you know? Am I sensing a bit of tone here? No, they're amazing. <laughs> we, we couldn't live without them. We couldn't work without them. Put it this way. I'm on hiatus this week. I won't mention the show, but writers couldn't get a script out. Really? That's not on schedule. We're, we, we were on hiatus last, or a week and a half ago. So we did a show last week. We're supposed to do a show this week and another show next week and our season's done. We're not working this week because people couldn't get a script out. So are you, uh, are you getting paid for that time? No. Really? No. What is the union? You mentioned earlier that the union is like pension and benefits and all that stuff. What other things are you guaranteed through the union? And does the union help you find work when you're off a show? The union will definitely help you find work when you're off a show. You have to call and let them know that you're not currently working. Okay. There's a lot of people in our union. It's tough. You know, um, when Hollywood is just vibing, you can get work. You can get a one day call. Guys like me, we don't like to do that too much because we like to work with people we know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very difficult going in. It's not difficult. You show up, you do your job, but you show up with people you don't know at six o'clock in the morning on a show you have no idea what's going on with a script you've never read. Sure. And you just fall in. So that's something I don't like to do. I don't have to do it a lot. Yeah, you're in a, after 16 years, you have relationships, I have, right? I have some connections and, and relationships with people, you know, and God bless people that, you know, do that and, and show up for those calls because we need those people. We need them, you know, sometimes just as much as the next guy. So, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like if you get, if you were sick or something, they would have to fill your spot with somebody who's just showing up, right? Let's say we can't find the guy we like and we know, you know, and let's say the town is just busier than all hell. Yeah, you have to call the union. We don't like to call the union for people because we like to hire people we know. Yeah, it's a well-oiled machine. Absolutely. Gotcha. But when you first started, you know, if we take the Wayback Machine 15 years, uh, 16 years to when you were first getting in, is that how you got the relationships that you got now that have, have gone on to serve you? I will say that I am lucky enough and privileged enough to have somebody in the business who ran a department that had relationships with people who were in the position of my bosses, right? So uh, they trusted my dad to say, hey, Eric, and work, er, er, hire Eric, he'll do a good job, you know? Mm. And, and yeah, it's all about connections, but you have to perform or else you won't work. Yeah. You know, or you will be a day higher. Yeah, connections get you the first day, Can but be, you're the one who gets the second I'm day. I'm very grateful that my father got my foot in the door, you know, like a lot of guys, a sure. lot of guys. But I give it up to the guys who didn't have that and the guys who were so hungry for it and got it. So it's, a, it's, it's you know, there's two different lanes of traffic there. Um, you hustle, you do your job, you get a call back the next day. No attitude, no confrontations with people. Uh, you just keep your head down. And you don't complain. You don't ask what time. Hey, what time we off? What time do you think we're working today? Just come in and do your job. Wait, when you said no confrontations, that like threw me off. That anybody would think like I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna start shit, I'm gonna make friends that way. Is yeah. have you seen that before? I've seen a lot of. Uh, it's a cutthroat business. Number one. Sure. There's a lot of stabbing. <laughs> There's a lot of. It's freelance. You know. There's yeah. no contracts. We're not contracted to work here. Uh, you can be told to go home for no reason. You know, we don't have work tomorrow. Gotcha. It's not like a job that you're working and someone says, hey, don't don't come in tomorrow to your desk. It just, that doesn't happen, right? I mean, well, why? Their answer would be, well, there's there's nothing for us tomorrow. It's as simple as that. And that's the end of it. That's how easy it is to not work in this business. It's easier not to work than to work. 
So what is your, what is your contract? Like, do you have any idea of, or contract isn't, because you've been working on the show for a while, right? You're on for like the season pretty much. Yeah, it'd be 12 episodes. And so, but you know that before the first one, right? It's not like, ooh, I hope we get another one. It's a 12 episode order, right? We know that right away. Sometimes though, a show will get cut down. I've been on shows where we have 22 episodes that get cut down to 18. I've been on 13, you know. When does that when does that happen in the run? Too late. Later than you want. It depends on it could be money, it could be a uh, an actor thing, it could be a writer thing, it could be a producer thing. Nobody knows. It comes sure. from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. We don't have a contract. I mean, if I go to work with this crew, with this decorator, with this production designer, I'm not guaranteed to come in the next week or the next week or tomorrow. It's if you're performing, you're performing. And if, how your relationships are, they know who you are. Let's say you have a bad week. You could go bye-bye, you know? Wow. Yeah. Let's say you break a $1,000 sconce or a $3,000 chandelier or a $10,000 chandelier. You might go bye-bye. Wow. Have you seen that happen to somebody? I've seen some stuff. <laughs> I've. It's bad, yeah. Dang. I've broken some stuff. I've ruined some stuff, you know? What's the most what's the most damage you've done? Not that it wasn't that bad. It was it, it was like a fifteen hundred dollar lucite sconce. I remember years ago. That was about when you episode. said when you said sconce. I was like, that is way too particular for him to have not broken a sconce at one point in his life. Yeah, just you know, there's little things. I'm sure I've damaged other things. I don't know, but I mean, that's well, mistakes happen. That's business, not. Yeah, it's, you you're know. not a robot. No, we're you know what we are. Sometimes I think we're we're carnies with a health plan. Okay. You I've know, heard carnies before. Isn't that a great? Isn't that just so uplifting? But yeah. that's sometimes when we are. Sure. You know, sure. Move on to the next town, to the next stage, to the next show. Yeah. What's that period look like? So let's say that uh, this show that you're on is ending. It's done. It's the series finale. So you know that it's not coming back. What does that next morning look for you? Look like for you in terms of I don't have a show anymore. Well. We usually have a few months before that last episode or that last week or that last day, we already know we're going on to something else and we have a date and a set time. You know. And when you're saying we right now, you're talking about the crew that you crew, usually work yeah. with. Or and my decorator. Yeah. How many people is that? Well, let's see. I think it's about four of us, five with the decorator, six with the production designer. So like what percentage of your work last year was through this uh, decorator? About 75%. Okay, so really substantial. Yeah, I finished a, I finished a 10-episode show, went on to finish another another show for four episodes, and then came back to start this one with the same decorator. Gotcha. So we I go in and out. Sometimes I'll work for a different production designer, a completely different studio. You know, the next week I can work on a, like a different team. Do you like switching it up and, and getting different experiences there? Or do you like the predictability i guess i like the predictability in, in show business because there is no predictability in show business i was gonna say that's i've never heard that sentence before predictability in show business yeah, yeah it's nice to mix it up during the summer let's say you finish a really grueling show maybe it's 20 episodes which they don't get anymore especially with streaming sure let's say we just finish a really tough 13 episode show sometimes you want to get away from people sometimes you need a breather sure the grass is always greener yep then you go on a new show, and for a couple of weeks you go, God, this is great. And then that third week you go, God, I wish I was back with my my regular crew. Sure, because they know you, they know your personal life a lot of the times. They know, hey, look at this guy needs a week off. This guy, you know, 
it's tough when you go on a new cruise. You're kind of on, on probation, too. It's like, this. how is this guy? You yeah. Know, you know? Keep that guy away from the sconces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're Lucite. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, when you look back on your 16 years in this, and that's amazing. I don't know anybody our age who's done anything for 16 years, I don't think. Is this kind of what you expected? Is this kind of going as you thought it would, or... You know, it's because it seems to me like in this line of work, you don't have time to reflect, really. It's like there's constantly, there's a new show coming out. There's a new show coming out. And you are constantly just trying to get that together. And I feel like it's easy to lose perspective of like, oh, wow, I've been doing this for a really long time. Is that a fair question? I don't feel like I'm not. Yeah, I like that question. Um, I, ha- I have time to reflect. I look back and at night. I had a really tough time my first five years. It's because it's it's a kind of a hard thing to do set dressing it to be good at it. I struggled. There was there's what so is ma- it? What does it take to be good at it? You have to be flexible, and you you have to let things go, and you have to be patient with people, and realize that not everybody's like you. Not everybody's like the next guy who's really good. Sometimes you just have to be let let people do things at their own pace, but get, they have to get the job done. And you just have to let them do things their own way, whether it is tying off a truck or hanging something or the order of which he would like to drop things off or what he thinks or she thinks is important at the time when there's a lot of things to be done. Because there could be a hundred things that need to be done and maybe they're focusing on something that could wait till later. But gotcha. in, in their mind, it might be, no, I, I need to get this done. It's just about patience is a big deal. So just kind of dealing with like difficult personalities, maybe? People is 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 like about 75% of the battle in this business, I think. Personalities. Because in the union, there is there like a pecking order where it's like somebody says that this is the first of the hundred things that we have to do that we're focusing on, so this is what it is? Absolutely not. It's learn on, learn on your feet. Okay. It is a learn on your feet kind of job. Gotcha. Yeah. So what switched after that five years? Was there like a moment that that clicked it in or did you just kind of get beaten down in that? Not beaten down. That's not the right way to say that, but like 2000, 2008, I was really lucky. I I made friends with somebody on a show and they brought me over. I worked on a show called 24 for two years. Okay. And that show showed me more than anything I needed to learn in show business. It was a movie a week, you know, whether explosions and, and squibs and uh, cars flipping over and just massive sets with massive budget, big actors. So it was, a you know, besides being seeing really cool actors and incredible sets and the money they're throwing at things, I think I learned a lot. I think I learned a lot on that show. I think the turning point was after that and when I started to work 100% consistently every day. I was day playing for almost four years in the beginning. Okay. I couldn't, no one was going to hire me full time. I couldn't be a core guy on a show because I didn't know all the things. I didn't, I still don't, but I didn't know really what the big picture was. Are you in those four and a half years, are you like worried about getting the next job or where are you at mentally with that? Absolutely worried about getting the next job. Um, but calling people and not being scared to cold call people and show up cold. Sure that was a big deal. And it, it, it really, it helped me out because I still work with some of those people uh, today. So, and you get their information from the union or how do you know who to cold Word call? of mouth and just, just, you know, shaking hands. Gotcha. Yeah. I have a hard time seeing anybody being like, ah, we don't want this Eric guy. 
there's been a couple shows they don't like me on, but the, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. You know, because I know where I fit in and what decorators like me and what, and I know what I'm worth and I know I care. Some guys don't care in the business. They just want to collect that check. Sure. I care about the outcome and, and this is my career. What's a favorite project that you've worked on? Hmm. Sitcom wise, I think Two Bro Girls was one of my funnest jobs I've ever had in my life. What made it great? How crazy it was for a sitcom. Okay. You had a guy, Michael Patrick King, who had never done a sitcom in his life, who created Sex in the City, show up and do a sitcom at Warner Brothers, and he was something else. He was the most high-energy man I've ever seen. Really? The most, one of the most intelligent I've ever seen, and, you know, he, he loved his wardrobe, and he loved his set dressing. And just the camaraderie of the, the stage, the people, you know, we were all in it together. I won't say it was an incredible show, but I enjoyed it. And it, sure. was, it was a lot of fun. And it got six years, not to mention it was one of the first shows ever syndicated after one season. It was a juggernaut sure. for, for what it was, but it was it was a lot of fun. The actors were great. There's a couple of people. Garrett Morris was amazing. Jennifer Coolidge is an amazing person. Matt Moy, just, a, just hilarious. It was an experience. It was the longest show I had ever been on. Six years of my life. And, and, at, and at an interesting age. That's an eternity for this time. Yeah. In my mid-20s, six years. Yeah. So that, that's a lot of my life right you there. S you said something that was really interesting is that he, he was about the set dressing and he was about the costumes. Yeah. Have you encountered people who just think like set dressing is just whatever, that's not what matters? A lot of shows. I would have, I mean, I guess people focus on, it's probably more of a product of them focusing on what they know versus like taking the doorknobs for granted, for example. Hey man. It's all about the doorknobs. Sometimes it, shows aren't funny because the doorknob's not right. I mean, you get the wrong doorknob and yeah. in the right show, the whole thing goes awry. So what does this look like for you from a from a career perspective? So you've been doing it for 16 years now. Where do you want to go? What are the options? What is that? What does that whole future picture look like? There's a lot of options. Uh, I'd, ha I'd have to take a step back from uh, my career now and, and, and take a pay cut. And where I'm at in my life and my career, I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I don't really see me going up or going down. I kind of like what I do. Every day is different. That's get, the dream right there, man. I get to work on different different shows, different lots. You know, sometimes if I'm not on sitcoms, I'll go work on a single camera. Or if I'm lucky enough, I'll jump on a feature for a month, you know. So I like where I'm at. Do you try to structure your year kind of like, okay, well, for the first part of the year, I'm going to be doing 20 some episodes of this, and then I'm going to mix it up more and do like a feature here or something like that? Or is it just kind of like what comes across at the time when you're looking for something? A lot of it is, let's say, you know, I always know I'm, I'm usually going to have 10, 10, 13 episodes a year of something. Okay. I know it's going to go into something else, you know, another another show. Maybe that shows 15, 16 episodes, which is really random. But there's streaming is so strange and what it's done to our business. No, I don't really look at that year like that. I okay. kind of go with the flow after the first show and, and a month or two into knowing when that show is going to end. I know what's coming up next and I have to make that decision. Do I want to go with this crew and do these 13 episodes or 10 episodes over here? I'm lucky enough that in about a month, my show ends, and I'm going to be doing a 20-episode show for Hulu, which is humongous because you nobody gets 20 episodes through streaming services. Sure. And it's called How I Met Your Father. 
Okay. And I'm lucky enough to work on, a, it's a really good show with a really good cast. So I know that I'm going to finish this year out on that show at Paramount Studios. When you have like that 10, 13 episodes, is that 10, 13 weeks of, of work for you? Or is the pre-production add a bunch more in for you? Add a bunch more. Because then you have hiatuses in between. You have rap. You know, the rap could last a month. So what is it that, like for a 13 episode, or maybe the math is simpler with 10 episodes, how many uh, months of work would that be, be for about you? five months, six months, something something like that. Okay. Yeah. You used to get, you know, back in the day, you'd get nine months of work on one show. That'd be your year. Then you take the summer off. Or you take a month off and you work on something for two months and that show would probably come back. Mm -hmm. And then you get another 22 episodes. Sure. That was, those were the days. Not to sound like a geezer. But those were the days. Hey, we're we're getting older. That's a fact we need to face. Yeah. It is. It's a hard one. But what I what I like now is that we I can kind of jump around. And that's one good thing about streaming is it doesn't set you in place for the whole year. Sure. If you don't like something, hey, look at I only got four more episodes to go. Yeah. You were not under any contract to finish anything. Sure. We're day hires. Everybody's a day hire. Is there anything that you wish you would have known that you know now when you got into it? For my job, not really. I like the way I've, I've learned my job and I'm learning my job. I don't think it would have helped me because you have to experience it. You sure. can know something, but you have to be through it. You have to work your butt off. You have to have easy days, bad days, good days, sad days. It, it's not, you know, if I would have known this, oh man, I would have had that job. Or No, I just I just show up and do what I can do that day and I learn from it. And I think that's the best way to learn. And I think that's the best way I, I did it. That's like an amazing mentality for regardless of what we're talking about. Show up and do what you can do that day and learn from it. Because if, if I did know something before I showed up, I still wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. You know, if that makes any sense. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Is there a difference between when you work on, like with your job specifically in episodic versus features? Huge. What does that look like? You know, it's been it's been a long time since I've worked in that that area consistently, but it's on a way bigger scale, bigger sets, bigger budget, more trucks, more set dressers. Could be multiple decorators, always one production designer. You could have splinter units where you have one unit shooting on location with a different director, and then you have somebody shooting on stage with let's just say the original director. Hmm. You're constantly on location. You're constantly shooting all around Los Angeles. You, you can be in San Pedro uh, one week and the next week you're on stage. A lot of times I think it's like three days on, three days out, or it, it all depends on what show and how that production coordinator is working it. But you'll shoot on stage a few days that week and then the rest of the week you'll be out and they'll shoot all the locations out. Hmm. You know, like a show like This Is Us, okay? They have four stages at Paramount. They shoot on stage, I don't know how many days a week, and then they go out there and they're gone for the week. You don't see them till Monday. And that's how they do their uh, their filming. Let's say you're working on a show like Shameless and you have, you know, all these shots of Chicago. Well, you know it's Chicago because it's outside and you've seen you've seen it and mm -hmm. you live there, so you know especially. But oh, yeah, you can't get that by me. They'll take a, a small crew and they'll go and shoot exteriors, sure. which is just exteriors. So every time they show the so-and-so house, it's boom. Yeah. It's, you know There's it's no real. actors. It's just like the establishing shot. There's no bullshit shot. either. It's not, you know, it's not on a, on a lot. 
Yeah. A lot of times you can tell. If you're savvy with it, you know that's on a lot. Yeah. But that's how they do it like that. Like Dexter, you know, they shot Dexter half, mostly all that was shot in Long Beach. You know, that was at Miami Beach. Really? They'll go and they'll shoot the exteriors on ocean. They'll go into downtown Miami or whatever. But a lot, I mean, that's how you save money and that's how you make Hollywood. That's how, what Hollywood is. It's sure. It's all fake. Yeah. You know, we live in fantasy land. Yeah. So that's how they do that. If you're lucky enough to work on a show on, on a lot that has a great back lot and they want to save money, you know, a lot of it, they won't go anywhere. They'll just shoot exterior somewhere and they'll shoot everything on the back lot on, like I said earlier, Midwest Street or uh, Hennessy Street or these, you know, they've, there's so many features and shows shot on one street that you, it would blow your mind. I'm talking about 400 feet of just street. Yeah. It's crazy how much stuff they can do. Is it an issue? Maybe this isn't a something that you deal with, but all these shoots have to be coordinated, right? To get this street at the same time. Oh yeah. Do you know what the process is like for that? Of like, oh, we really want this to be outside, but there are 15 other shows that have booked it out. That is dealt through uh, with the production coordinator and the studio operations. Okay. The studio operations has a big calendar, I'm sure, somewhere that they know what shows shooting on that street, which day, which week, which month. Do you know how, how often and like how far in advance that gets booked out? I don't know that for sh- certain. Could be a month, could be six months. I don't know, especially if it's a big feature. Hmm. I'm sure it could, things can get pushed out of the way if you have the right amount of money. But... No, I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that we never have an issue, put it that way. Gotcha. Shows never really have an issue with each other. We're all working together. Because how many shows are shooting on the lot at the at that time? Well, it all depends which lot and what time of year it is. Like right now, what's like a good ballpark for it? It's so funky because streaming has mixed the game up so much that it's it's not like it used to be where you know that that, full, that studio is in full swing at this time of year. Because the shows are coming up and the fall's coming up and streaming has completely hit the ball left-handed when he's been doing it right-handed the whole time. Sure. So at Paramount, there's only like four or five shows going on right now, maybe four. And we know it's going to get busy, but no, I I don't know how many. What is, what's busy look like? What number of shows? Well, Warner Brothers has 28 stages, 29 stages, right? 29 of them, 28 of them should be filled. Well. Uh, Right now... I think like 14 are. Wow. 14 stages. But, you know, it's it's a whole different game. It's, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I think this has been fantastic. Is there anything that you're like, I really want to talk about this? I just want people to know that if you want to be involved in, in the entertainment industry, whether it be in front of the camera or behind the camera, be you. Because if you're not you, you will become something that probably won't get hired anyway. And the more you show up, and if you are meant for the business, either behind or in front of it, it will come to you. I looked up Bram Stoker's Dracula on IMDb. Production design by Thomas Sanders. Art direction by Andrew Precht. Set decoration by Garrett Lewis. And wouldn't you know it, the same three guys worked in the art department on a little film called Hook. It's a small world, and they made some great sets in it. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. 